I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business Podcast. podcast listeners i have with me a man who uh, i will introduce but doesn't need an introduction uh chris hippa he is coach, coach coach you've been in the game for six years correct i've been in the game i mean i've been full time for 10 but i've been doing basketball stuff since 2003 got it okay and so that's been- after i got done playing you know what i mean so i've been doing skill development for 17 years wow first as a coach right assistant coach head coach Assistant coach, all that, yeah. And so it just got. I mean, and obviously, I you know played was all state, played some college basketball, played some pro basketball after that, and then started to coach in two thousand three, and that's what I've been doing since then. Tell me about that practice where you were helping a kid improve his game, and a parent approached you and said they would pay you for what you were doing. What was that day like? What was that interaction like? And when did that light bulb click? I mean, man, I, you know, and I grew up, you know, going to the YMCA's, you know, so there was one of my good friends, uh, his sister was playing, I want to say she was either going into her senior year or she was about to go into college. And I was lifting weights and I used to always in between sets or going to the gym. So I would, I, I would lift and I'd go into the gym to see if there was any kids there. I'd shoot around and I'd go back and I'd kind of go back and forth. Well, as I got done with the set, I went in there, saw that she was shooting around. And so I started to rebound for her. And then I gave, gave, gave her a tip here and a tip there. And from that point, she ended up going back and telling her mom. Well, then her mom contacted me and then wanted me to pay or wanted to pay me to train her. And so that was kind of like that day. That's how it kind of worked out. But that's how I started getting paid to train her. She offered me $20 for every hour for every time that I would train her. And was this gym? How did you navigate the rentals for the gym, the basketballs, and people want to join the sessions? Was that a? I mean, you didn't back then, man. That was like, when was it? That was probably like two thousand, maybe I don't know, four or five. You know, so you didn't really have to deal with that. There was nobody doing it, and so if it's just me and her in a basket, I didn't have cones everywhere. I wasn't doing it like that. Like I was still doing it because I love to do it. I was rebounding for her. We would get shots up. I would show her a move. She would do the move. We would, we would just work out for an hour. I was probably doing the same. I was doing the drills too. And so um, we never had to worry about like a rental because we both went to the YMCA. We both had our own basketball. And those are just things back in the day you didn't have to worry about. And what did that – so for you, you have a full-time job right now. Are you working full-time, coaching, and training this little girl? Or what is your work like? Oh, man, at that time, you know, I was, I was coaching. I was a volunteer coach at that time. I had a full-time job. Um, and obviously, I, I didn't train her like five days a week. You know, I would train her maybe once or twice a week. And it was – that's when the light bulb turned on. Um, I can get paid to actually train players because I was doing it for free. And even after her, I did it for free. I wasn't going out after that to hunt down kids. You know what I mean? It was just something that I trained her for free and just kept on what I was doing. Volunteered, I, I worked. I was still in, in, in very, very good shape and playing, playing a lot still. I still trained on my own. I mean, I, I was getting shots up, I would go lift. And so 
it didn't really change my day to day because I still wasn't in like the business of training players. Okay, and did you know that was even a, a occupation at all? Did you know who Gator no, no, at, at, at that time, it wasn't. I mean, there was probably at that time probably a handful of guys in, in, in the world that I knew of that actually trained players. You know what I mean? So it wasn't even anything. I mean, I think in the back of my head, it was something that I think that I would have liked to do. But I think that those guys were, uh, you know, maybe in the NBA or had worked in the NBA or had NBA clients. And so, like, I never put myself in that, that box because I, I probably never thought that it would be a reality of something that I could do. What was that full-time job? Ooh, in 2003, I was actually working at the YMCA. So as, as a basketball player, man, like you get done playing and when, you know, from 14 years old, all the way through high school, through college, trying to play pro hoop, every single day you wake up, you're trying to be the best that you can, whether you have team practice, you have a game, you're going to go lift weights, you're going to go try to find a run. When that comes to an end, that's why a lot of players will struggle with like their life after basketball or life after sports, because they're so used to being in like a structured setting when that structure is gone, people don't know what to do. And so I knew, though, that, like, being involved, though, with basketball, it, it, it gave me that continued structure. And being at the YMCA, it gave me, like, the flexibility to be able to move still around training and staying in shape. And I could work part-time at times. I could work this shift. And it gave me flexibility to move around. So can you walk us through 2004 until 2009 or 10-ish when you started doing this and when you decided, okay, I'm going to quit my full-time job do this yeah I mean it uh so 2003 I, I coached in a school called Foss High School so I was there from 0305 volunteer strictly volunteer won a championship there too right we didn't win a championship then I mean we won a league championship at that time we, I ended up coming back to Foss and that kind of comes back around on the back end but um, at that time I was working at the YMCA uh, and I was training a lot of the players that we coached because and I even get back into this is that we I trained players because we wanted to win games. I wasn't training players for anything else, but I wanted to help them improve and I wanted to win. And so we knew that if we got these guys in the gym, they'll be before practice, after practice, in the offseason, doing hills, doing skill development, lifting weights, we would win more games. And we won more games. And so after 2006, I ended up getting an offer to be a C-team coach, which is a freshman sophomore team, at the high school that I played at, stadium. So now I'm getting a stipend. So now I'm making, you know, six grand for November, uh, November, December, January, February, March for, you know, the five, six months. I'm getting a stipend now to coach on top of working at the YMCA. And now I'm starting to kind of start to uh, ask or not ask, but parents are starting to pay me more and more. So now I'm working at the YMCA. I'm getting a stipend to coach. And I got, you know, maybe 20 to 40 players that I'm starting to kind of train on and off throughout the year that I'm being paid by. And that went on all the way to 2009. I was at stadium until 2009. And then I ended up being the JV coach, and I was a varsity assistant. And I was kind of working my way up. Um, and I was training more and more players on the side. My hustle, my, the thing that I loved, was starting to kind of gain traction. People were starting to see it. Kids were starting to improve. Word was starting to move. And I was getting more and more kids. Um, and then that's when I kind of quit my job. It was like 2009, 2010, and got into school – gotten the skill development full time. And, and what happened specifically financially there? Did you have a lot of more revenue than you did expenses, your rent, you had a consistent gym, 
What, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I made that choice at that time where it's just like I wasn't going to be able to grow my basketball stuff unless I gave it my full time. You know what I mean? It's just like if I'm going to work every day from 8 to 5 and then I'm training from 5 to 12 or 5 to 10, I'm not going to be able to grow that aspect of it if I'm still full time in a different area. And so I was still making more at my full-time job, but I knew though that if I invested my full-time attention to that, I could eventually overtake that. And so I didn't just all of a sudden quit my job and have zero bucks on my account. It was something though that I gradually did. It was like, all right, I'm ready to take this on full and I'm ready to take all my attention, you know, all my attention towards it and focus all my attention towards basketball. And so, that's what I did in 2010. And, and that's the same year that Instagram came out. So what was and your Instagram pop? Dude, if you scroll down my page all the way, all the way, all the way, I mean, man, you'll see my first, like, 10 to 15 posts. They don't have anything to do with basketball. You know, and even that, it just, it, it wasn't something that you did. Like, you posted on Facebook and Instagram, like, what you were doing in your life. You know what I mean? You maybe posted, like, family. You maybe posted going to a cool game. Like, in 2010, I started posting a little bit more stuff on Instagram as far as for basketball stuff because I knew that I needed to get eyes on it. People needed to see it for me to grow it. And um, it, it helped, man. Facebook and Instagram were two big things that helped me grow my business at that time because it allowed people all over the world, all over the state, all over to just see what I was doing. And for you, what was your big break? Was it the Jamal Crawford camp? Was it uh, getting to the Nike uh, what, what was the big break there in the training career? And, you know, probably my biggest, and like the thing about it is, is like locally back home, I'm well-respected for like my, you know, playing career. And then as I started to get into skill development at 03, like I'm, I'm well-respected for what I've done in the game. Uh, probably like my biggest break was probably in 2012, Courtney Vandersloot, who played at a local high school where I'm from, Gonzaga, and it was the, the, the number three draft pick in the I think 2000 I can't remember the exact year but in the WNBA draft that was the first pro that I ever trained and so we took like four months off or you know she she took like four months off and we trained for four months she ended up having the best year of her career and that really really helped me because it gave me a pro that I've trained she had a lot of success and all of a sudden now it, it kind of went from one step to the next step and then shortly after that, Kelsey Plum, Nate Robinson came after that. And then from there, then it went from Jamal Crawford, Avery Bradley, Aaron Brooks, Quincy Pondexter, Alex Montgomery. I mean, just all of a sudden, just names. And I, I've kind of built like a background. There's a lot of guys that I've trained. Gaddy, Brandon Brown, Devontae Lacey, Stephen Gray. These are all guys in our area that have went on and are well-respected to play, you know, and, and are all pros. But I just started to kind of collect this team of, like, professionals that have trusted me. But 2012 is when I got my first big break, though, with her, Vandersloot. And how does – did you mention – did you say Isaiah Thomas in there? I know – I'm sure – You know, so I've known Isaiah. I've never got a chance to train him, and I'm never going to say, like, I've trained him just because he's from my hometown. Like, we're from the same area. Like, we, we're from I've, – I've, I've known him since he's probably, like, third or fourth grade, you know. But I've, we've never trained – and that's been my big thing, though, too, is I don't hunt anybody down. Like, people know what I do. If you want me to help you, I'm, I'm here to help you. But I'm never going to say that I trained him because we're from the same area. Or I, he's well-respected as well, and, and I, I respect him. He respects me, but we have never crossed paths as far as being in the gym together. 
one thing I'm interested in is you don't hunt people down, but I'm sure you approach them. Did you approach Kelsey? And what is that conversation like? You know, so Kelsey and I, we had a, um, you know, Nate, Nate approached me. I remember I ended up sending a text to Kelsey after her freshman year uh, when she was, she was all Pac-12 as a freshman. And, and I really liked her game. And I really knew that I could help her, you know. And so I, I ended up sending her a message saying that I, you know, I would love to work with, with you. That, that's one of the only players that I've ever actually reached out to like that and said, I would love to help you. And I remember I went and trained with her. It was the spring of her freshman year. And we met at UW. It was like 9 o'clock at night. And her assistant coach, we had met because obviously I'm a new guy. We hadn't met before. So she came with one of her assistants. Her assistant watched the workout. She loved it. And I was like, let me know when, when, you know, you'd like to go again. I had to drive to Seattle. It's about a half-hour drive. We got done that night about 12 o'clock. And I get a text when I get home, and she's like, Coach, I want to go again. And I'm like, when? 6 a.m. tomorrow. After we had just got done. So I get home at probably about 1-something. I'm like, all right, sounds good. You know, we'll probably go sometime next week. She wants to go the next day at 6. I end up setting my alarm for like 4.15. And that kind of turned into like a – for the next three years while she's at UW – six in the morning, 12 at night, three in the morning, all random odd times. But just, she was just obsessed. And we went, we went all around the clock, man. Okay. I got to ask, how did you get a number? Did you hit a coach up, a friend? Coach up. Yep. Coach, okay. you know, and at that time, I mean, she had, I mean, she had a great staff at that time. Neighbors was her head coach, uh, Fred Castro, Morrison. They had a great staff, man. And it's just like, they were really, really good in like skill development areas but I ended up reaching out and we got in touch and the rest is hit. I mean, we've worked out now since then. I mean, I've been to you know, Istanbul with her. I work out with her a lot in the off season and we built a friend friendship around hoop as well. What does that look like? Cause I know you're big on relationship development, but do you guys have crucial conversations? I know you're honest with them and tell them what they need to hear, not what they want. Oh yeah, man. You, you should see like everything. So like working though with like these pros is just, you know, it, it, it's all fun. And we just go in the gym and we just grind though. But like, the best players that I've ever trained, like we get into it on the floor because my job is to always constantly push and, and, and nudge and get more out of you. And sometimes, you know, with Nate and with Plum and with Courtney, they can become nasty and they, they want to fight you back. And it's just like, I'm not going to allow them to fight me when my job is to push, push you. So we've got into it though before, but that's what's made us stronger. That's what makes the relationship is that they trust me, although they may not like it right then in the moment, they trust me that I, that I have the best intention for them. What was the most intense interaction you've had with uh, Kelsey or Nate, anybody that comes to mind? Um, you know what, though, with, with, like, Nate, for the most part, I mean, like, Nate always takes it, man. Like, Nate just takes it. Like, I, I tell him to do 15. He might not like, but he just, he just take, takes it. Nate never really says anything back. He, he might say something afterwards, like, damn, man, you had me doing 15 of them. But in the heat of the moment – he never really says anything. He just takes it. Kelsey sometimes, uh, you know, we're doing a shooting drill. And, you know, I had her doing some stuff where she was starting the short corner and she'd have to sprint to the corner and get her feet set and shoot. More or less like kind of like replicating like a downstream. And uh, sometimes I'll use the term just make shots. Just make it. You know, and that's a term that my coach used to use though with me all the time is if, if you're going to take shots, make them. Just make it. And then I don't ever have to say anything about if it's a bad shot or a good shot. And so sometimes she'll get into a low, she'll mess like three or four in a row. And I'm like, just make it. Stop thinking about it. 
and just make the shot. And I remember this, this happened last summer. She's like, stop telling me to make it and tell me what I'm doing wrong so I can make it. And I had to step back a little bit though. And I was like, you know what, you're, you're right. Instead of just telling you to make it, maybe I should exactly critique what she's doing and say you're on balance, you're off balance, you're fall through, stop fading left, stop fading the right, and, and maybe take a different approach. And so since then, we even had a talk to right when that workout got done was, and I even thanked her, like, thank you for getting on me because I wasn't using the right approach. So with her to help her in the situation, I just kept on kind of driving into her, just make it and that didn't work. And so we've, some of the best players that I've worked with have also helped me become a better coach. What does that look like with the, when it comes to remuneration for that? Like, obviously you feel good about it. You're helping out these, these star athletes, these pros, but do you train for the currency? Do you have a, a financial exchange or is it just for the clout because they bring you so much more business? What has been your mindset and your philosophy with that? I mean, I, I even told you for the first like six, seven years, I did it for free. You know what I mean? So like I never, never, I mean, obviously now, and I just got off an, I, an, an IG live just a little while back and we talked about, I did it. I mean, there has to be an exchange. Like I'm not doing anything for free just to do it for free. Just to, I mean, there's gotta be an exchange. Okay. So my exchange back when I did it for free was the reward and the fulfillment of seeing them improve or seeing more victories. I knew that if I invested right now that down the road, six months, then we're going to be able to win more games. And so the reward, there was an exchange. And so I don't do it for the clout, man. I mean, like Nate, Nate contacted me, you know what I mean? So like he contacted me because he wanted to get in the gym and he wanted to improve. Obviously with that is going to come some clout is going to come some currency is going to come more camps. Doors are going to be open, but I don't do it for the clout though. I do it because I passion, I have a passion for it. And I ultimately love to serve and help others, man. Like seeing them improve. Although I might get paid for it because that's my job. Seeing them improve is way more fulfillment to, to me than any check that they can write. And I, I asked that question, and no offense on the clout. I don't think you took any offense to it. But I know a lot of trainers that probably do it for free for the following, the social currency. But the social currency doesn't always pay the bills and allow us to keep training and doing what we love to do on a daily basis. What would you say to that person? You know, we have this man, it, it's weird because we had this talk though as well. Um, if you're not doing it because you have a passion for it or you love it, eventually it's going to burn out and it's not going to be anything. It, you know, and you'll 20 years ago, man, there wasn't a lot of guys that did skill development, there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't anywhere to post it. Like, you, you did your work off of word of mouth, you know what I mean? If you did a good job, though, players talked about you, and all of a sudden word traveled, and you were the guy that people would sought after because they knew that you could help them. And so now it just, they're, you know, I mean, skill development trainers are popping up left and right because people think that they can get paid off it, which they can, but eventually that money is going to run out because you're not doing it because you're passionate about it or you love to do it. You're just doing it strictly for a check. And I think that that's going to burn out. You know what I mean? So, you know, you can do it for the clout. That clout's eventually going to end. You can do it for the cash. That cash is going to run out. But if you do it because you have a fire in your gut because you love it, that fire will always burn. And the, and the cash will come. The cloud will come. That's all the result of the work that you do. Damon Altizer, do you know him? You know what? Not really, really well. I mean, obviously, we both know of each other because we're in the same field. Yeah. I asked that question because he has a quote, and I, I, I paraphrase it because I don't know it verbatim, but he says, if you focus on building the player, the business will build itself. And it's essentially what you're saying right now. Build the player, this is built itself. Right. Facts. I mean, like, your work speaks for itself. If you're doing great work, I mean, you're going to have – 
chances to work with great players. If you're doing great work, people are going to send you their kids. If you're not doing great work, man, like the biggest thing that you can work off of is word of mouth. Somebody's saying Chris Hip has done a great job with my kid. Well, their kid's going to come. It just, it just snowballs, man. I asked trainers this, play, skill development coaches, whatever you want to, to coin it, I asked them this question, and I'm curious to know what your answer is. Most guys who I ask, does your social media following direct or correlate to more business? A lot of them say no. A lot of them say it's the physical location proximity of these athletes actually developing and telling their friends. Is it the same for you? Do you see much conversion from your social media following? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not like all of a sudden. I mean, obviously, I do get more because of the pre presence that I have, though. You know what I mean? Because, like, if I wasn't on Instagram, people couldn't see what I do. And so it's not like because right when I post something, all of a sudden I get 15 more kids I want to train. But it's a great platform to be able to show what you do show your lifestyle, and also being able to put stuff up there that you do do, and it's up to them to join them or not. But it's one more platform. You got your website, you can tweet, you can Facebook, you can IG. And I think they're all important to be able to put your stuff up there and update it so people can kind of follow along. And it may not be a direct reflection on what you do, but it is, it's important to have a presence, I believe, up there. So what did the relationship with Nike, how did that originate? Well, you know what, though? And the thing about it is, is I think that everybody thinks that I'm like a Nike skill guy. I'm, I'm not a Nike skill coach. You know what I mean? Like, it just, like, I've, I've done some stuff, though, with them before, like grassroots. Uh, I ran, like, kind of me and I was in China, uh, when was it, 2016, and did, like, kind of an all-Asian Nike camp. And so, obviously, once again, with the swoosh, I mean, that's, this, this is just – this is all that I wear. This my lifestyle kind of aligns with what they try and do as well. They're all about trying to inspire and empower athletes. And it's, it's the best. I mean, you going back to Jordan. I mean, that, I grew up during the Jordan era, the tongue out, you know, wearing Jordan shoes. Like Nike has been a big part of my inspiration since I was a kid. And I've just kind of always had Nike stuff. And so like, there is no direct relationship, but it speaks volumes, though, about just where I am as an athlete, where I am as a coach, and the inspiration piece. Man, look, I, I don't think it hurts. <laughs> I mean, man, I'm hashtagging Nike. I'm like, I, I wish that they would call me and, and, and lace me up with some gear, man. <laughs> Who? Okay, so aside from the guys in Washington, because Coach Mosley, is Mosley correct? Mosley Jr.? Mosley, yep. Man, I love my conversation with him. What other trainers in this – game in america overseas do you have strong relationships with do you enjoy watching or conversing with mosley's one of my good friends though too like i've known mosley for a long time i mean he's one of my best friends me and him we facetime the other day we do zoom ball handling workouts me and him just so i can run stuff through him and just so just so we can work workouts. so we talk a lot uh guys that have inspired me gannon baker is uh probably one of the biggest inspirations i've known him now for for 22 years uh, i first met him he was an assistant coach at a d2 school in charlotte i was playing at a juco in in my state and i ended up getting a voicemail from him in 1998 because he wanted to recruit me to a school on the east coast i ended up flying over to charlotte spending three days over with him and it blew my mind as far as like i was a skill development guy at that time when i played because i wanted to try and i always did a lot of stuff he was a coach and took skill development to the next step man like just the, the things that i saw that weekend and his energy and presence and just how creative though he was, he's been the guy that has blazed paths for a lot of people that do skill development right now. And he's a huge inspiration still to this day. 
was that too far for you? Was I think Belmont, correct? Belmont Abbey. Belmont Abbey. You know, and well, the thing about it is though too is that he ended up um, he ended up leaving the year that I was supposed to go out there. I think, and I'm not sure where he went. I don't know if he went to Coastal Carolina to to you know to coach or he I, actually I think he went and played. I think that he might have went to Iceland like right after that or something. But he ended up leaving, and so I ended up staying local and played at a D he, at a D two where I'm at. Got it. Understood on that. Okay, so, so you got Gannon Baker. Gannon Baker. Um, there's guys that I look at on IG all the time. Phil Handy, GJ, uh, you know, Sackman, Tyler Relf, Jordan Lolly. Uh, Michael Lancaster is a – he's probably one of the most unique as far as his approach and his, his – not even science, but his system is it's, – it's different probably to the naked eye. But if you really, really know and understand the game, he is just diving into the, the deepest detail of the game. And so those are guys that, you know, obviously I see their posts and I'm, I'm always getting inspiration off of the things that they do. Um, and just kind of, I mean, Instagram is a great place to find inspiration and ideas. So. Okay. And I was actually going to ask you that next. I would consider you towards the game enhancement side, if we're going to phrase it that way. Mike is on the skill enhancement side, but you, you sound like you actually believe that his methodology works and you see the benefit in it as well. But it, was, it felt good hearing you talk about that, though. What are your, are your thoughts on – Yeah, no, I mean, he has a different way to train. You know what I mean? Where – I mean, I, you know, and, you know, we are in a game where basketball, there is no right philosophy. You know, like if you want to, uh, you know, get like a – if you want to become somebody that trains players to get stronger, I think that there's a science that goes into how we can maximize strength. And although that is always trying to change, for the most part – there are certain ways to go to do it. Basketball, man, there is no, not one right philosophy on how to train players. And so for somebody to say that's wrong or he's doing it the wrong way or why would you do this, I think that that's a little bit ignorant as far as how to, you know what I mean? So like he does such a unique job and it's proven. And he's also got players though that will justify it and say that his way works. I mean, like why would, I, who am I to say that it's wrong? You why know, so obviously- that's flat though. Right, huh? Why does he have so much so much flack? Why does he get so much? Well, look, though, I I feel like in anything, man, if like you delve into one side one hundred percent, you are going to get people though that say that that's not right. You're going to get people that say I love it. You know what I mean? It's just like I mean, and like right now, like I I kind of live in like there's obviously certain things that I really really like you know believe in, but in basketball, like I'm so open to like learning different ways to train. I'll take a little bit of piece of everybody's thing that I like to create my own philosophy. You know what I mean? So he catches a lot of slack because people think, you know, why would you jump over a mat or why would you do this? Or why would you, why would you have to have a, a mat on the floor to get your feet in certain areas? Like people think, Oh, just go back to the old school. Let's just shoot some jumpers and a pull up. Yeah, that's great. You know, to work. But for some players, they need to have like the science of what they're doing and he's broken it down in, like, such a way where, I mean, like, people can argue it, but, I mean, you, he spent a lot of time in creating, like, his philosophy, and you got to respect it. I definitely do, and it sounds like you do, too. Question, how has COVID-19 affected you and your business? You know, it hasn't – okay, it, I won't say that it hasn't, okay, because obviously we were all doing business inside the gym, okay? So it's, it, it's affected me being able to go into a gym and train players. 
how it's positively affected me is it has now pushed virtual training, something that I've been wanting to do for a long time, but just haven't quite dove into it and invested time into it. It has forced me to get more into the virtual side, which is going to be a huge plus though for my business. It's, it's going to, it's going to affect my reach. It's, it's going to allow me to train with players all over the world on a weekly basis and not just having to take flights to China. I can actually do it now in the comfort of my own home. I can do it now in the backyard. I can train players now all over the world anytime that I want. And so it, I'm not one to sit around and wait for things to happen. Like this has actually helped me be more creative. It's helped me create different arms of my business that I haven't had in the past. How do you, how, how do you see yourself blending that when you are, you, we do have relaxed social distancing. How does it all mix and mesh? I mean, the, the thing about it is, is I think you just got to offer like things that you offer. Like I'm going to continue to get into the gyms once we can here in town. There's a lot of people that will still fly me out to their gyms to run camps. But the players that maybe can't afford it, the players that can't afford to fly me out, the, the teams that can't afford that, we can do Zoom sessions just the same. Like there are a lot of guys that do a great job coordinating and getting big AAU clubs that may not have like the tools to be able to go teach the game. And that's okay. But now instead of flying me into your town, we can do Zoom sessions now from my, from my house. And so like I... I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be something great that I'm going to be able to have one more arm of income, one more thing to offer is virtual training. Okay, and your story is unique. Everyone's story is unique. But let's say I'm a a, tr a trainer. I'm training part time right now. I have a part time job or a full time job, but I really want to do this thing full time. I'm looking at getting married soon for you. Same, right? Yeah. Uh, June, correct? I was supposed to get married on May 19th. Uh -huh. Portugal. So we're actually, we're going to move to the fall, okay. but we're going to do something smaller here probably at the end of the month, just so we can tie the knot. Got it. Congrats on that, by the way. Thank you. Thank Congrats. you. So how does, I'm, I'm a trainer. I want to do this full time, but I also want to get married soon. What do I need to be considering in regards to my mental health and my financial stability before I make that move? Well, I mean, and I can only speak on my experience, okay? Like, I was doing, you know, uh, skill development for seven years on the side for free, for part-time, hustling. You know, one, because I didn't think that I would ever be able to do it full-time. I never put myself in that box. And two, because I was always making more at my full-time job, okay? The one thing that I do like about having my own, I'm the one that creates my income, is it creates urgency, and urgency is a feeling that only you can feel when there's urgent times. You know what I mean? House is about to burn down. It's urgent. I got to get out the house. And so when you can, when I, I need to feel that. And the urgency that I feel, it kicks me into a different gear as far as I have to create content. I got to create programs. I got to, I got to go make it happen. And so for, for me, what I did, I, I wouldn't say there's a wrong or a right time because only you're going to know that. But when it is time to do it, it's about to get real. You don't just show up anymore and get a check. You don't just be told what to do and you go work. Like you have got to create work. You have got to, I mean, you have to keep, it, it, it is full time, man. Like this thing right here is 24 hours a day, whether it be phone calls or emails or content, or you now own your own business and it's up to you to continue to build the momentum so you can continue to be paid. What does that, that look like? We're, you don't want to do it just for the money. You're not just trying to do this for free. It's a passion, but you have to profit from your passion as well. 
how did that scale work for you when you actually started charging and making this a full-time business? You know, you just start doing the math. You just start doing the math in your head. You know, how much like, you know, and obviously I'm, I'm making more every year, you know, but just get to the point where you start doing the math. Or, okay, if I want to train Monday through Friday, my slots for the most part because kids got to go to school. So I got like from 3 o'clock to 10 o'clock. So I got about seven hours that I could work. And I used to train players, man, privately, seven hours, one, one every single hour. And, and with the same energy, with the same passion, with the same. And I was like, man, I'm getting tired. I mean, it, it starts to burn you out. So then I started putting them seven kids in one session, charging them less. So now I'm making more per hour. I may not be making more for the day, but I'm making more per hour. So instead of now doing seven privates, I can now do three groups of seven kids. So now I got 21 kids. They're all paying less, but I'm making more per hour and I'm making more for that. So you start doing the math in your head. Okay. I can get 40 kids paying $50 and I can go for two hours and it can be skill specific. We're doing ball handling and creating space. So now I'm making two grand for two hours. If I can do four of those a month, now I'm making eight grand for the month on top of what I do Monday through Friday. So you start doing the math and it sounds easy. You know, you got to get to the point though where kids are going to come to your stuff, but all of a sudden now it starts to kind of make sense because you've created a structure. I see that too. So you, and what you just described to me sounds like a skills clinic. So you transition from going individual sessions to these semi-private, these group sessions. So now right. you're talking about these, these larger groups where you have 40 kids, you say, in one session. Is that hypothetical and, or is that real? Even more. There might be more, you know what I mean? And every single one of them is so unique in its own way. You know what I mean? Like private, we are detailed specifically for you. What's your strength? What's your weakness? How can I help you? Small group, a little bit more competition, maybe a little bit more overall skill stuff. And then two hours, this is, you are going to come in and learn specific skills. We're going to do ball handling, but you're going to learn footwork on how to create space, how to apply it. I'm going to give you tips. I'm going to inspire you and boom, you're out but we're working on something skill specific. And then obviously there's camps. We have three day camps, five day camps, that's up to you. But then you put a certain amount, you're charging 150 per kid, you get 150 kids in the door, you're going from nine to 12 each day, you do the math, you know? And for you, did you, when did your session start to become or build capacity? Because obviously the occupancy ratio is important. You wanna have whatever your ratio is to say, I want this many kids in a session, every single session. When did you start getting that to where it was always full every single day? Or is it even like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, when I do like the big ones, I mean, I always want to make sure that I give myself enough time to market it because I do want those to be filled. I do want to make sure. And I mean, you know, if I got to give a discount, if I have to give it half price to a kid, like I want to make sure those are filled. It's not hard for me to train one kid by himself. It's not hard for me to get a group of five. If I want to get 40 kids paying a certain amount of money, you got to give yourself time to be able to market that, whether it be on Instagram, whether it be on Facebook, it gives you enough time to reach out to people, put, you know, throw it on your website, create content for it. And I, I've kind of, I mean, you know, giving yourself like two or three weeks or a month, that gives me enough time to be able to get the kids that I want in it. That makes sense. And for you, what is, at first for me, because I, I quit my job, I should have done it later, but I, mean, I wasn't thinking I was young, still am young, but relative income more to me than absolute income. Meaning, like you said earlier, I want to make this much per hour. When did you transition to, okay, this is a career now, so I need to make sure that I'm making this much per year. I want to have a family. I do have a family. Um, 
yada, 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 all these things. When did that mindset shift with the math? Well, you know, I mean, I've always kind of been good as far as being able to, I guess, huh, you know, kind of have that, you know, that little side, like just having that urgency of knowing how many kids I have to train or just like I said, I mean, if I run four of those one a week, that's going to give me eight grand for that month. And I at least know staple wise, that's there. Whatever I do throughout the week, if I want to train players for free throughout the week, or if I want to, you know, train, whatever I want to do throughout the week, then that might change. But just knowing you have those staple, those big staples that help you have that, that chunk that you can kind of, you can pay your bills with, you can pay your rent, you can pay you, you know, your car payment, you can, to make sure you're taken care of. J-Law says this too. He said there's, he says there's a shelf life to this game. But one, do you agree with that? Two, if there is a shelf life to, to, to this, what does the next step look like for you 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now? Now, when you say shelf life, you mean like there's going to come a time where you can't do, do it anymore. You got to hang it up. Right. You know what? And that's, I mean, yeah, I do agree. Um, Business-wise, I mean, obviously, with any big business that had started, it started with one or two people in, like, a garage thinking about an idea. As growth comes, you have to put people underneath you. So I think that what I've built right now, I think it would be uh, stupid to get to a point where all of a sudden just CHB goes for 10 years strong, and then all of a sudden it just it's done. It doesn't turn into anything. And so I, I've always wanted to bring in young guys that I've either worked with in the past to continue and I can kind of be on the top and kind of orchestrate and coordinate and kind of send guys off and do all that. But where I can turn this into where I might have a team full of 10 guys that train. And if, if I think about how much I make each year and if I can help like 10, 10 people make that on top of me being able to make, I think that that'd be the next scale. Uh, individually, personally, I want to continue to work with the best players that I can. You know what I mean? I want to continue to, to travel to new countries that I haven't been to to run camps. I mean, I'm going to be involved in basketball till the day I die. Whether it be as a trainer, as a coach, as a consultant, as a fly on the wall, like I'm going to be, it, it brings me too much peace. Like I do it because it brings me peace, man. Like basketball has always been a getaway where I've went when there has been drama in the family, family deaths, broke up with my girlfriend, didn't do very well in the game. I go to the gym because it always brings me back to reality. It gives me peace. So I'm always going to be involved in the game. Uh, but the business aspect is going to have to change. So as I get older and maybe I can't do things as fast, I'm going to have to bring a younger team of guys that can still represent CHB and what it stands for and be able to ship guys out to be able to train players still. I like that. And can you speak more on that, that peace aspect, the going to the gym, getting shots up? What does that look like for you in regards to mental health? I know you did a podcast recently about that. I haven't listened to it yet. I don't know where it is. But – what does that look like for you in terms of peace from the game? Well, I mean, everybody has their, you know, their kind of like their place where they go when things aren't good. You know, some people go to church. Some people like to read. Some people like to do art. Some people like to get, you know, music. But everybody has to have a place where they can go to get away from things, you know. And, and the, the gym has always been my place. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I mean, whether I was teased at school or whatever, you know, whatever it is, when I went to the gym, it brought me peace. That's where I kind of could, that's where I feel like I am completely 100% me is in between the lines. 
And so it's just like, that's where I'll always go. Still to this day, man, if like, I want to go get away, I'll, I'll go to the park, I'll go to the gym and just, just go work out. I see that. And it just so happens we can like nurse two birds in one nest. If you want to record some content while you work out, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, but, but there are times though when like, it's like you put the phone down and it's just like, you know, you, you know, you turn on some cuts and let's just, let's just go shoot. Like, let's just get, get away. Let's go do some ball handling. Like, let's just, because then once you get done, the things that were stressing you out, they, they weren't as bad as you thought they were. Understood. So in closing, the audience here usually is full of basketball trainers who watch guys like you that want to do what you're doing and want to learn from you and just have that access or feel like they have that access. Do you have any words of wisdom to part? I mean, I would just say this though too, man, mission statement. And I don't even know what yours is, but I'm sure it's long and it's lengthy. Mine is strictly to inspire and impact players through the game of basketball. That's why I got involved in this is because I want to, you know, have a, uh, you know, a hand in their change a hand in them, you know, trying to get to the next spot, a hand in trying to help them improve. But, you know, follow, do what you're passionate about. Find out what you love to do and do it every single day. And some people have a hard time of finding, like, I don't know what I love. And, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a struggle to, to go to work or maybe do things that you don't really, that you like but you don't love. Find something that you love to do and do it every single day. I love that. Chris Hippa, where can we find out more about you, website, social media, whatever you care to share? I mean, I, you know, I have a pretty odd name. So if you type me in, I mean, I'm going to be the first one to pop up. It's not like a, you're going to type in Ron Jones and you're going to have to sift through it. Um, at Chris Hippa on IG, same thing, tweets, Facebook. I mean, I'm pretty much, if you type in my, my name, all my stuff will pop, pop up. So H-Y-P-P-A, it's Hippa, not Hypa. So, you, you know, we got to make, make sure it's just like your hip, man. So follow me on the gram. You know, I got a lot of good content. Re, re, you know, reach out if you have anything that you'd like to talk about. I'll do the best job I can to help you guys. Hey, you guys heard it. If you're listening to this podcast, you got to make sure that you do it and follow up and take him on his words. I know he stands in the land of integrity, and he's going to do it. So, Coach, I appreciate you, man, for the time. Yeah, of course, man. Stay in touch, though, too, man. I know it's a hard time, but it's always nice to go face-to-face and talk. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode. And I will catch you on the next one.